Hello and welcome to another weekly podcast from Hilltop United Methodist Church in Mankato, Minnesota. If you're in the Mankato area, join us every Sunday morning at 10.15 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to learn more, visit us at MankatoHilltop.org. Best of all, God is with us. Well, today we begin this disciple's path, this journey through Lent and talking about our baptismal covenant and what that means for us and also how to deepen our faith. But if this is your first time, your first step in faith today, we would love to connect with you, whether you're here in person, whether you're watching online. Uh, We know visiting a church can be kind of uh, scary for the first time, but you're here or you're watching online, we would love to connect with you. We simply do that through texting the word new to this phone number, 507-575-4222. So what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Well, let me tell you right now, for all of us gathered here, even if this is your very first time and you just showed up, something led you here today. And so you are on this journey of what it means to be a disciple. And for us, it means following Jesus Christ and all that he's doing in our life. And for the season of Lent, we're talking about all of the five things in our baptismal covenant, like I mentioned with the kids. But let me just give you a little picture of what this means for us. How does God's transformation happen in our world? Well, all of the things of our life, our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, our witness, all of that focuses in on loving God and loving others. So each one of those arrows is one of those aspects of being a disciple while we focus on loving God and loving others. When we are impacted by that love then, that love starts to go out. And that's where the yellow arrows go out from that. So while we take the gifts of our life and we focus in on loving God and loving neighbor, when we are encountering that love, then that love changes our heart and then starts to go out from us. There's sort of like a push-pull, and I, I kind of like the idea of maybe that's how church fits in there, right? There's sort of this, this draw to come to church and be together to focus in on loving God and loving neighbor and what that means to be. When we encounter that love, then that love means we then go forth from here, kind of like the arrows going out from there, and that goes out into the world. And that's actually then what brings some transformation into the world, It creates Christian community, it transforms lives, and it heals the city and the world when it goes out from us. So this is the idea of what we're talking about. We'll focus on those arrows about what that means in worship, in prayer, in scripture meditation, in small groups, evangelism and witness, financial generosity. But this all comes down to a scripture that Jesus shares at the beginning or in the Gospel of Luke. So let's look at this just briefly. This is from Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. We're just going to look at a couple of these verses. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And the lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. So part of what it means to be a disciple then is focusing in on loving God and loving neighbors. And I hope you've heard me say that 
several, several times at church because that is the focus of everything we do here. Now, in that story, we're not going to get into it right now, but right after that, the lawyer, you know, wanting to be particular, asks him a question. Well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus then goes on to tell the story of the Good Samaritan, which is a whole wonderful sermon that we're not going to preach today. (laughs) But what we want to do is take an assessment, a little bit of an assessment of where we are in our discipleship path together, and then try to understand how to move forward in that. So let's just do that real quick. Even if this is your first time, this is a good time to just, let's reassess a little bit. And there's sort of five things in our relationship stages we need to assess. Are we ignoring, exploring, getting started, going deeper, or centering on becoming a disciple? Let me explain what those are real quick, okay? If you're ignoring, it means you don't know anything about Jesus, you don't know anything about who he is or what his teaching means, and in fact, this could be maybe the largest group in our world right now. People who don't know much about Jesus, they are estranged from Jesus, Jesus isn't estranged from them. He's calling to them, but they are maybe estranged from him. Maybe they grew up in the church and they left. Maybe church has never been a part of their life at all. The people who are kind of ignoring this are the ones who say, I don't know if I really believe in God, or I believe in God, but I'm not real sure if I need a faith community or if I need to do anything with that. Atheists, agnostics, somewhere in that realm. Now, the people who are exploring, they are acquaintances. They've had, and, and, and they've had some sort of acquaintance with who Jesus is. And so, here again, maybe they've grown up in the church, but then they've left and they've gone away, but they're now starting to explore. Maybe that's you if you came for the very first time, or you're tuned in online and you're watching online and you're saying, all right, I need to check this church out. I need to know what's going on. I'm, I need to do some exploration. I've heard about this Jesus guy don't like everything I see in the news, trying to understand what's going on in our world. And so people who are exploring are more like acquaintances with Jesus. They would say something like, I believe in God, but I'm not sure about Jesus, or I'm not sure about the church. And faith does not play a significant role in their life, at least not yet. Getting started. When we're at the getting started stage, it means now we have sort of made some sort of level of commitment here. We know who Jesus is. We're maybe friends with who Jesus is. And these now I would describe as where people who are starting to become regular participants in the church life are in the getting started stage of this. It means my relationship with Jesus makes a difference in how I live my life. I'm discovering how my life can make God's love real in the world. This is someone who is getting started on this journey. And a lot of times we can be getting started for a while, even though it says kind of like getting started. That doesn't mean like a moment. It could mean a a longer period of time. Going deeper. Now this is when we really start to get serious about our commitment to things. These are maybe people who have a very intimate, uh, they're very good friends with who Jesus is. They know who Jesus is. They try to live their life with Jesus. They've made commitments to be a part of Jesus's movement in the world. 
And this moves now from my relationship making somewhat of a commitment or a difference to now this is primarily what this is. My relationship with Jesus makes a big difference in how I live my life. I'm discovering how my life can make God's love real in the world on an ongoing basis, daily and weekly. A lot of times, people in this going deeper are looking for ways to continue to go uh, toward the deep well of spirituality. And maybe that's people uh, who attend church. Maybe that's people who are not attending church right now. This is not necessarily inside or outside church, but it's uh, based on the level of commitment. Because these are deepening levels of commitment here. And then when we get to this final stage, and there is no final stage, this is just a helpful way of talking about it, because the well is deep. It goes deeper than what we can even say. The, the last one here would be centering. Now, people who are centering are the ones who have the most intimate relationship with Jesus. These are not always church people. <laughs> so if you're thinking, oh, uh, this must be everyone who goes to church. No, not necessarily. Just because our presence here today doesn't mean that we are participating on this journey. I would hope all of us here are participating on this journey somewhere. But it's not automatic. Centering people means following Jesus is the most important thing in their life. And then they would say something like, my life is part of God's transformation in the world. I am trying to make God's love real by committing to these very deep things. And then they grow in this deepening well. Now, here's the thing with all of those. It's not like we just easily pass from one to the next. It's life is a journey. And as we go on that journey, it's not like, well, I'm done with this one and I'm moving on to the next one. It doesn't work that simple. I'm just trying to describe it that way for us to help us understand. But maybe in your life, you took a couple of steps forward, then took a couple of steps back, and then made a step forward, and then you left church for a while, and then you came back to church. So life is complicated and our journey with Jesus can be complicated. So in our relationship stages with Jesus, we can go from ignoring to exploring to getting started to going deeper toward centering and then back and then up again and then back. And what I would like for all of us right now to think about is, where am I on this journey? Where do you find yourself today? Are you getting started? First time here at church, ready to make a commitment, ready to get going. Are you ignoring I'm just watching this church service because grandma told me to be here. That's all. Okay. You're here. Because maybe grandma's love means something. So maybe God might be speaking to you. And the thing should be, I want to go from ignoring to exploring. Just I want to see what this is all about. What is this church thing all about? Are these people real or not? Or maybe you're someone who has felt like, you know, I've been going deeper, but I, I want to go deeper still. And so maybe you want to take the step from going deeper to centering. I would invite you during the next several weeks to think about this, and we'll talk about it each week, to take a next step in your faith journey, whatever that might be, from exploring to getting started, from getting started to going deeper, from going deeper to centering. And if you're at centering, the well is very deep. <laughs> Centering can take us even deeper as well. We progress through these stages as we grow in our relationship 
with Jesus Christ and as we grow in his grace. Now here's the thing about being United Methodist that's really important to talk about this whole thing. And that is how God's grace moves in our life. It primarily does this in three ways. Here again, I want to say this to you. If you've been in church, you've heard these words before, but I want to make sure everybody here kind of understands what, there is, what they are, how we talk about grace as Methodist. Prevenient, justifying, and sanctifying. I could do a whole sermon series on that, but just briefly, let me help explain this to you. So no matter where you are on that journey, you can understand how God is working in your life. Prevenient grace is literally the grace that goes before us, that God is moving in our life before we even know it. God is creating a path. Maybe God created a path for you to be here today for the very first time. Or God was speaking in your life and you kind of didn't know it, but then something clicked a little bit later on and you look back and maybe you've had this experience in your life. You're like, I saw God's hand at work. I didn't see it at the time. But five years ago, when I did this thing or when this person showed up in my life, like it was God speaking to me. That is provenient grace. That grace that is there before we are even aware of it. Justifying grace. The best way I like to talk about this is like a grandmother's love, which is why I talked about grandmothers. God is waiting for us to receive this grace. Like a grandma is waiting on the front porch with her arms like this to hug you when she sees you. She's like, there you are. I've been waiting for you. And when you come running up those steps, she wraps her arms around you and tells you that she loves you. That is a justifying moment. When we say yes to God's love, we experience God's hand at work in our life, whatever that is, in provenient grace, and then all of a sudden we go, aha. And we make a commitment then. We do something in response to the grace that has been given to us. That's the justifying moment. God is standing there waiting for us to say yes, but we have to do something. We have to respond. That's a justifying moment of grace. When we run into God's arms and he wraps his arms around you and says, I've been waiting for you this whole time. And then sanctifying grace is the ongoing work of God in our life once we have said yes, once we have made a commitment, once we have gotten started on this journey. It's all one grace. I'm just breaking it into three ways for us to talk about it. But it goes back to this level of where we are in our relationship. If we're at the ignoring or exploring or getting started or going deeper or centering, there is God's prevenient grace going ahead of us, calling us into one of these steps. There is the moment we say, all right, God, I will respond to this. I will now move in this new direction. Maybe I will make a commitment to get started on my walk of discipleship. Maybe I will make the commitment to go deeper in my walk with you. And that is a justifying moment. And then as we grow and as God continues to speak with us, then what happens is that sanctifying grace is working and refining our hearts. It's helping to wear off the rough edges it's helping us to come to terms with our own sin so that we can receive God's grace more deeply in our lives. This is all ways that United Methodists talk about how to be on the disciples' path, how to be on this journey of growing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
Now, as we look at each of these stages and we talk about what they are, today we are talking about prayer. And I'm not going to spend much time talking about ignoring stage because ignoring is the people that are ignoring. And by the way, I'm inviting everyone to take one step forward. So if you're in the one step forward of ignoring, then what would it look like to then start exploring? Or if you're in the going deeper, then what would it look like to uh, go from going deeper to centering? We are all hopefully going to take one step forward in this. So let me just explain a little bit what that means for us when it comes to prayer. Maybe you've heard about prayer. Maybe you've been in church. We've already prayed once today. Um, There's lots of times where prayer is a part of people's lives, but that's different for everybody here. Think about this for a minute now in your own life. Where is prayer showing up? Maybe it's just before meals. Maybe you have a quiet time every day where you spend moments in prayer with God. Maybe you go on a 72-hour prayer retreat for four days or three days and, and go as deep as you can. All of us are at a different spot on that journey here today. So wherever that is in your life, let's just think about this. If you're in the exploring stage, you might be something like this. I pray some formal prayers at church maybe a grace before meals, and the Lord's Prayer, which we'll say in a moment in the service. If you're in the getting started stage, maybe you're, here's the different stages again, maybe you're starting to do some informal prayers, like extemporaneously. You might have a regular time and place where you pray. Maybe you have prayed with others before. That would be in the getting started stage. As you start to go deeper, now prayer becomes more of a conversation for you. This is this conversation I have with God on an ongoing basis. You maybe start to learn some different ways of praying. There are literally hundreds of ways of praying. Body prayers, meal prayers, extemporaneous prayers. And as you go deeper, then you start to say, you start to look at all these different types of prayer. And when you get to the fifth stage of centering, now we're in the time of Contemplative prayer, long, silent prayers, fasting as a part of prayer, really making a deeper commitment in our prayer life. Here's the thing as we move through these stages. We don't stop at one and then move to the next. Actually, they're kind of like, um, exis- uh, um, how do we say it? They add on to each other as you go. So as you move from one stage to the next it's just adding another layer. It's not taking anything away. We start at this level and we keep adding to it in our own prayer life. So if we're in the getting started stage and we're just starting to learn how to pray with others and pray in a small group or pray extemporaneously, as we go, we continue to do that and we add in these other things. So again, we don't arrive at one stage and let go of everything else, they build on top of one another. It grows exponentially as grace grows exponentially in our life. Now here's a story from uh, the Gospel of Luke in the 18th chapter of Jesus talking about prayer. And it's a parable that he uses to explain prayer. Let's look at this. Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, 
one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself was praying thus, God, that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector standing far off would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who will exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is important for us because all of what we're talking about in our spiritual disciplines is not to puff ourselves up, to make us look better. We do it all so that God can be made known. And God is the one who is glorified. And God is the one who is put at the center. As we grow in our discipleship, God becomes from this person we kind of heard about out there to the very central part of our life and all the various stages in between. And so as we grow in our discipleship and as we grow in our prayer through our discipleship, God becomes more and more and more the center of that. The Pharisee in this story, he's the religious one. But he's very self-righteous, isn't he? And the tax collector, he's the sinful one. But at the same time, he's also very humble about where God is working in his life. Jesus uses this direct contrast to help us understand when we pray and when we give our lives to this prayerful journey, it humbles ourselves, it humbles our soul, and it keeps Jesus front and central in our lives. Here again now, I want to show you something that we teach in Confirmation, in United Methodist Confirmation. If you've been in church before, maybe you've seen this before, but how do we go praying? And confirmation students, uh, we talked about this about a couple weeks ago. So, The Acts form of prayer, how United Methodists pray. This isn't just strictly United Methodist, but this is one of the ways we talk about this. All of your kids here are learning about this. And I thought, oh, I need to share this with the adults to make sure we're all on the same page still. There's four aspects to prayer that goes into how we think about prayer as United Methodists. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Again, if you've grown up in the United Methodist Church, maybe you've seen this before. Okay, but I want to go over it again to make sure we're all on the same page. And now if you take the first letter of each of those words, it spells out Acts. What's adoration? Well, adoration is typically the starting point of any prayer. It starts by recognizing who God is and what God desires. Now, oftentimes, we can get off on the wrong foot right away with prayer when we don't focus on God. We do come to, we do come to prayer and we do come carrying burdens and carrying where we are at, but we don't start prayer with where we are at. We start by acknowledging who God is. Focusing on the character of God then gives us focus for the rest of our prayer and our relationship with God. Now, it's not wrong to call out to God with our need. We'll get to that. It's in this Acts form. But by starting with adoration, it gets the prayer started off on the right foot. 
by recognizing who God is, keeping God central. C, confession. This is a radical honesty about where we are and our need for grace. Here again, this is not meant to like beat ourselves up. It's not meant to like look down on others. But it's to be radically honest in our heart about what's really going on. It helps us get rid of the things that keep us from growing in discipleship. It also then helps to cultivate that humility in our hearts. So by starting with God and by starting with who God is in adoration, and then next coming in confession, it opens our hearts to receive that grace in a, in a, in a very important way. Then we get into this third part, T, thanksgiving. Now the real heart work has begun in our prayers. We might start with thanksgiving, or we might start with supplication. And there is no right or wrong way. I'm just telling you how United Methodists think about this. Oftentimes when we pray, this is maybe one of the first things that comes to mind. God, I'm just so thankful for this. That's not a bad prayer. There is no right or wrong. But thanksgiving, now after we've started with adoration as, and, and we've had a moment of confession, now our hearts are ready to receive and be transformed into generous hearts. They're ready to truly be thankful because we started with God first and we started with what God wants. We've then centered Jesus Christ in our life and now we're ready to respond in thanksgiving. And the last one here, supplication, that's a big word. I don't think any of the confirmands ever get it right when they try to understand what that word means because they've never heard it before. It's a big churchy word, isn't it? But here's basically the, the way to think about it. It's making our plight known to God. Basically asking God to do something about whatever is going on in our lives or in our world. Here again, sometimes when we pray, that's the first thing we bring. God, I need you to do this for me. Or I'm praying about this specific situation. And those are great prayers, and they're wonderful prayers. But if we start there, we're starting with ourselves and not starting with God. And he wants us to center his life and the life of his son, Jesus. So if we start with adoration and confession and move from there then to our response, thanksgiving and supplication, then we can truly ask God to intercede in our lives, not just our personal lives, but also the world for some of the world's most challenging problems, things that drag our heart down, whatever that might be, radical uh, income inequality or racism or other uh, strife that's happening in our world. And even though we sometimes begin with that and we start there, it's probably better to end with that and end with that supplication. So this acts form of praying is one of the ways the United Methodists think about this in our world. So we are on a journey to Easter. We are on this journey of discipleship each and every week. And each week as we look at one of the areas of our baptismal covenant, I would ask you some way to go deeper, whatever that might be in your life. There's a group here at church, a prayer group that got started just a couple of weeks ago for Lent that is going on this prayer journey going deeper. And there will be other ways to get involved in this as well. Next week, we're going to look at the second item in a disciple's path, and that is our presence. But not just our presence, also God's presence too. So we'll do that next week. 
Amen. Thanks for listening to another podcast from Hilltop United Methodist Church in Mankato, Minnesota. Don't forget to visit us online at MankatoHilltop.org.